Well, this Sunday I'm continuing in my sermon series, The Power of One Life. And what I've been doing this summer is looking at minor biblical characters. Every Sunday looking at a different person whose life I can preach on in one Sunday, pretty much. And so this morning we're going to look at the life of a man named Bezalel in Exodus 35, 36, 7. That's B-E-Z-A-L-E-L, Bezalel. So... Book of Exodus, in case you're unfamiliar, begins with the deliverance of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt under the leadership of Moses. They go through the Red Sea. They come to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God meets with Moses and gives the Ten Commandments and many, many other commandments. And he lays out to Moses and the Israelites what it means to live in relationship with him, to be God's people. And part of the laws and what is set out there at Mount Sinai is... Uh, the construction of what's known as the tabernacle. Because one of the central features of this covenant is going to be the restoration of God's presence with his people, which was lost in the Garden of Eden. So there's a lot of verses given over to the construction of this tabernacle, which I'll just put a rough sketch of what people think it might have looked like. This tent, portable tent in the middle of this courtyard here, um, where the tribes of Israel would be all around it. And so this tabernacle would be where God would dwell in the midst of his people. And the finest materials were used, of course, because this was God's dwelling place with his people, gold and fine linen and silver, precious stones. And in the midst of these tabernacle instructions, we read about this man named Bezalel. So let me read from Exodus 35, verse 30 to 36, 7. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiders in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. This is God's word. Let's pray before we continue. Father, we believe this is your word to us, and we pray that you would help us to understand what it means that your Holy Spirit would apply this to our lives, that we might be transformed by this time in your presence today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, they're constructing this tabernacle that is going to be God's presence in their midst. And God lets Moses know that he has set aside a specific man named Bezalel to lead the task. And here's a few things that God says about this man. 
First of all, he says he's filled with the Spirit of God. And secondly, he's been given skill, ability, and knowledge of all kinds of crafts. And thirdly, he has been given the ability to teach others. So there's more going on here than just being a good craftsman. That this man, Bezalel, has been gifted by God to be a man capable of bringing these artistic ideals to life with his hands. To lead others, to serve alongside with him, to construct a suitable dwelling place for God. So it's not just learning. It's a supernatural gifting we're talking about here. He's been filled by the Spirit of God, gifted in craftsmanship, given the ability to teach others. And by using his gift, he is going to work with others to create a dwelling place for God so that the Israelites might experience the power and presence of God in their midst. And I think it's important just to highlight this man because I think sometimes we believe, sometimes especially people in church might think, that there's two levels of gifts and talents, right? There's, there's those who teach and preach and evangelize and prophesy, and they're on this plane over here. And then there's the rest of us with gifts like cooking and building and financial planning and math and computer programming and all those things. And we're just kind of here in the regular people category. You know, sure, it's important, but there's the real spiritual work over here being done. But that's not the witness of the Bible at all. And that's not the witness here of Exodus when it comes to Bezalel. But Bezalel is a man who's been gifted by God and given the ability to create a dwelling place for the Lord. And it's very much, just as much a spiritual gift as the gift that was given to Moses. So there's no sacred-secular divide. There's no spiritual gifts, and then there's just the everyday gifts. But they're all gifts here given by God. And so I want to use this passage to talk about four things this morning, about the truth about spiritual gifts and what they are, and begin by sharing this passage with you from Romans 12, 4 through 8. Paul writes this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy... Do it cheerfully. So the first thing that I want to say about spiritual gifts is that God gives each believer spiritual gifts. If you belong to Jesus, then you have been given spiritual gifts by God. And the witness there of Romans is that he likens the church to a body. And just as your physical body has lots of different parts and each part has its own function, and your body works best when each part does its function well, This is in the same way the church is like a body, a spiritual body. And every part has been gifted by God with a certain role to play. And the church functions best when each person fulfills that role. And your gift is not meant to be given to you so that you can say, look at me, I'm gifted. It's meant to recognize it's a gift given by God. Not something you created, but something that was given to you. And it belongs to the body to be used in service to others. 1 Corinthians 12 is another passage about spiritual gifts. In 4 to 11, Paul writes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given 
for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Are you sensing the theme here? That God gives spiritual gifts, different ones to each individual, and they are to be used for the common good. They belong to each other. Again, you have been uniquely created by God. And if you are in Christ, you have been given spiritual gifts so that you can use them to serve others. There's an acronym from uh, Saddleback Church in California, which is the master of the acronym. Uh, And they use this to help us think through kind of how God might have shaped us. That you might think of spiritual gifts. You know, what are those gifts that you see that God has put in you after you've come to faith in him that he's used to bring joy to you and to bring blessing to others? And H, you could think about heart. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you love to do? A, abilities. What are you good at? What are the things that you're just good at that you could bless others with? P is personality. What are you like as a person? What would make you a good fit? What kind of ministry would you be a good fit? What kind of service would you fit well in? And E, experience. What have you been through in your life? What have you gone through? How have you been trained? What have you... Experience that might help you serve others. Each individual has been shaped by God. Each individual has been given spiritual gifts. And the second truth about spiritual gifts comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 22. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You've ever stubbed a small toe or, you know, all the the little parts of your body that you thought maybe were weaker, they're indispensable. And Paul makes the point here that every single gift and every single member matters. Every single part of the body matters, that every single member in the church matters. There are no levels in God's economy. Everyone has been gifted. Sometimes there's someone who's gotten older and they can't serve the way they once did when they were younger. And sometimes they say, you know, all I can really do is pray. To which we say, praise God. Praise God. We need people who are prayer warriors. And if you feel like all you can do is pray, well then pray. There are no Weak members, there are no members that are not needed. No one's gift is unimportant. The third truth about spiritual gifts is this. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The gifts are given to us so that we might serve others. If God has given you a gift, again and again they say it belongs to others. It's given to you so that you might serve others. 
If one day your hand quit and decided, you know what, I'm done, the whole body would suffer as a result. And when you have been given gifts that can be used in service to others and it quits, then the whole body suffers. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 gives us Paul's vision of what this would look like. He says, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So he says, those who've been put in a place like a pastor, like a teacher, their role is to equip the saints, to prepare them for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up, so that we might reach maturity, so that we might experience fullness in Christ. That each person, again, has been gifted. Each member is a minister. Each person has been given gifts to serve the body. And this vision here that Paul gives of what it would look like if each member truly did seek out to understand how has God gifted me to use those gifts in service to others and what that would unleash in a church and in a society and a community. So we are like a body with many members and each member has a different function and the Spirit has given each of you gifts that be used for the common good. Has he given you gifts like Serving or teaching, encouraging, giving, administrating, mercy, leading, whatever it is, your gift has been given to you by God to be used to build up his kingdom. Ephesians 2 verse 10 puts it this way, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You know, this world, there's a very big meaning crisis right now in our, in our culture. People who just don't know if they were created for a purpose. Don't know what the meaning of life is. And Paul tells us here that you have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do, for you to do. That there are specific good works that he's prepared for you not your neighbor, not the person sitting next to you, but for you to do. That you have been given a purpose. You have been gifted. Your gifts are to be used in service to others. Now, I know in saying this that every one of you is at different points in your journey. Some of you, for example, might have just showed up at this church and it's not that I'm telling you jump in right now and start serving. You know, you might be trying to figure out whether this is the church you want to be part of. Some of you are burnt out and need a time of rest, and that's understandable. There's different times and different seasons, but this is the vision. The vision is, the great vision is, that God has given us gifts to be used in service to his kingdom, to be used to build up his church to serve others. And when the time is right, that is the vision, that we would all use our gifts in service to others. Where are you gifted? Where can you serve others? I've put in the bulletin an insert. I wanted to take it out if you've got a bulletin with you. Just to give you an idea of some of the ways, just in our church alone, and obviously there's many ways to serve outside of the church walls, but 
there's many ways, and I would love for you to fill this out before you leave today, many ways to serve. There's opportunities to serve with the children of this church, whether it's children's ministry, youth ministry, the nursery. There's opportunities on Sunday, like with the worship team or the AV team or the greeters or the coffee ministry. If you like to pray for people, there's plenty of opportunities to be in prayer for people in this church. There's pastoral care opportunities to call people, to provide meals, to help new people find their place in this church, to reach out to people we haven't seen in a while. There's outreach opportunities, like helping us care for and connect to our missionaries, reaching our local community, reaching out to our college students. We have a specific opportunity coming up on the 23rd. There's a corn fest in town. It's an opportunity to get out there, have a booth, and meet people in our community. If you are interested in that, you could check that off. You could talk to me. You could talk to Janet in the back after the service. We would love to have a booth there and be able to meet our neighbors. If you're interested in mentoring and discipling others, there's others who are always looking for people who would help them grow in their faith or lead a community group or host a community group. We have different events we do, men's events, women's women's ministry events, church events and luncheons. If you like to organize those sort of things, let me know. Website, social media support. If you just like doing stuff on the computer and doing things online and helping us reach out in that way, connect with people online. Taking pictures and videos. There's always a need for people who are skilled in that department. If you like to write, we have a weekly newsletter. Always looking for guest writers for that. If you like doing administration or just doing behind-the-scenes office work, or if you like cleaning, decorating, organizing, interior design, building projects, maintenance, that sort of thing, there's opportunities. Assisting the treasurer or shopping for church needs or plenty of other opportunities, I'm sure. How has God gifted you? How can you use the gifts that he has given you in service to others and there are out there like these like gift, you know, inventories and questionnaires that you can fill out. And sometimes that's good. But I have found that for the most part, it's you just go and you serve and you find what is it that brings me joy and blessing to others, right? Some people give to others anonymously and it just blesses them and it blesses others. And some people just hate giving to others. Some people, they get together with kids and they just say, oh, I just love helping these kids to know about Jesus, and others of you wouldn't be caught dead in a Sunday school classroom, right? Some of you just, it brings you great joy to see things organized, to see events come together, to see that kind of administrative work done. And some of you have no business organizing or administrating anything, right? Some of you just love to come quietly behind the scenes and clean and, and provide just a, a hospitable place. Some of you love to help new people find their place, and some of you are afraid to talk to new people. Again, we're all created differently by God. We all have our own functions. But how is it that God has gifted you? And if you have no idea, just start serving in various ways and see what God blesses. And I thank you for those of you who have served faithfully because we do have many individuals who have served in many ways. Again, I've said this many times, but I'm the only one who's paid to be here today. I'm the only one receiving a salary here right now. Everyone else, you are here and you give because you love God and because you want to serve others. And I'm so grateful to you for that. 
Let me go back to the ending of this passage. It's an incredible ending to this Exodus passage. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. It's an incredible ending. They had to turn people away and say, we've got enough. No more service, please. No more offerings, no more gifts. Can you imagine ever getting to that place as a church or as a ministry where you're like, you know what? We have enough. We have enough people serving. We have enough offerings. We don't need any more. It's incredible. So hopefully the vision is clear. You see this story of Bezalel, and you see an example here of how God has given each individual spiritual gifts to be used. And it's not always just these spiritual gifts like being an evangelist or a prophet or a pastor or something like that. That There are many gifts given by God, including this gift that Bezalel was given as a craftsman to create a dwelling place for God. And this doesn't mean, you know, that therefore we should create a magnificent structure here that we meet in with waterfalls and all of that. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. When Jesus died and rose again, ascended to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit, God's dwelling place is not about a building anymore. It's not about a building. God's dwelling place is the people. It's the community. First Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's spirit lives in you? That's the plural you. We have bounced from building to building as a church community. And I remember when we moved from Glastonbury to Wethersfield, our landlord at the time said, you know, your church is going to fall apart if you go across the river because, you know, no one crosses the river in Connecticut. And said, if we were a business, I could understand, but this is a family. And if your family moved across the river, you'd still be a part of your family, right? You'd still visit your family. Because the church is not a building. The church is the community. And so when you use your gifts in service to God and service to others, we build up the community where God dwells. It's not about the building. It's about the people. We are God's temple. God's spirit lives in our midst. I hope this has been clear. I hope this vision has been clear of what God's desire is. That he has given you each spiritual gifts. That he has shaped you each. Not just so that you could say I'm gifted, but so that it might be used your gifts might be used in service to others. And there are many opportunities in this church. There are many opportunities outside this church to build up his kingdom. But your gifts belong to each other. And the body works best when each part of the body is working together in service to the others. Let me end with this Colossians 3, 23 to 24, this encouragement. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. In the end, we're working for him. However we use our gifts and service, we're working for him.
What I want to do before we continue in worship is I want to give an opportunity for testimony on this. Sometimes we like to do this at the end of a sermon, just give an opportunity for you to come up and share. Um, in particular, around this, gift, this, this idea of spiritual gifts, um, if you can either testify to A, how you have seen God use a gift in your life in service to others, or B, how you've seen God use someone else's gift in service to you. So it can be an opportunity just to testify on how God has given a spiritual gift to you and used that in service to others, or if you want to testify to how God has used the spiritual gifts of someone else to minister to you, you can do that as well. So I just want to give an opportunity in case, in case anyone can uh, give a testimony or give an example that would help to illustrate what we've talked about this morning. So we'll open it up, and just if you come up, introduce yourself, and just briefly share... Um, how this is relevant, so.